the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. 990. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
Today's sermon is pre-recorded. Almighty God, we come looking for you today. And I ask that in your mercy we would find you. But I know, Lord, if we're going to find you, we're going to have to look because of the signs that you have given us regarding the way of righteousness. Lord, we're looking for you today. May we find you. I pray in your holy name. Amen. The book of John, the sixth chapter. Let me begin reading for you at verse 26. John, the sixth chapter, beginning with verse 26. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, you are looking for me not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Many different people look for Jesus for many different reasons. I want to share with you Pete's story. Three years ago, Peter was making over $100,000 a year. Business turned sour, and he lost everything. And he soon found himself out of his house, in his car. And for the past two years, Peter has been sleeping in his car. We became acquainted with Peter because we would stop by every once in a while the Borders Bookstore here in Woodbridge. He was always there. He came over and sat down at my table one day and said, could I talk with you? And I said, sure you can. He said, I'm Pete. I said, I'm Ray. We began to talk. That started a continuing friendship. He was articulate. He was capable. And he knew everyone. As I would sit at the table and talk with him repeatedly, people would pass. Hi, Pete. I won't interrupt you, but just wanted to say hi. As I got to know Peter more and I saw through what was happening, I finally said to him, Peter, are you sleeping in your car? How do you know? Who told you? Well, Peter, it's pretty obvious. You're homeless, aren't you? Yes, I am. But I don't want that to change our relationship. I said, Peter, are you a Christian? Yes, I am. Where do you go to church? I don't. Why not? I'm a Catholic. I said, I don't care if you're a Catholic. What about Jesus? Do you care about Jesus? My dad did. What about you, Peter? Do you care about Jesus? Well, yeah. 
I pray. Then why are you homeless? He won't answer. Oh, so you've got a mad going with God. You're mad at God, aren't you? No, I'm not mad at anybody. Oh, you're not mad at your ex-wife who kicked you out? No. You're not mad at your kids who have a great life and who leave you on the street? No. You're not mad at God? No, I'm not mad at anybody. And he got madder as he talked. I said, Peter, you're mad at me. No, I'm not mad. I'll talk to you later. Off he went. Next time I saw him, I said, Peter, I've got a great place for you to go. Where? There's a men's prayer group on Friday night and Monday night. It's a group of men who are very honest with each other. I think you ought to go. I won't tell them you're homeless yet. Just go. All right, I'll go. But I don't have enough gas to get there and it's too far to walk. Don't worry, Peter. I pulled out my billfold and I handed him cash. He said, fill your tank and go tonight. Peter finally went to the men's prayer group. He didn't know how to behave. He was a little bit disruptive. He was there to meet with other men and have a good time with them. He was not there to meet with the man Jesus. He didn't think Jesus was going to show up there. And when Jesus showed up, he was out of there. And he literally got up and fled. He went again. And got up and left. Very quickly. The Lord said, one night, go find Peter. Give him a hundred dollars. I said, Lord. What's Jan going to say? That's our grocery money. Give him $100. All right, Lord. I said, Jan, the Lord just said, I'm to go find Peter, and I'm to give him $100. I watched her face. It lit up, and she said, I've been hearing the same thing. I'll go with you. So we got in the car. We went and we found Peter. Walked in and we didn't know how to give it to him. So Jan took it in and watched carefully when he went to talk with someone. She went to where his things were on the table, slipped an envelope with the money, and then fled. Next week, the Lord said, take Peter a hundred dollars. Lord, that's two weeks. You have enough food in your cupboard. Take him your grocery money. Jan, the Lord said we're to take Peter a hundred dollars. Her face lights up and she says, he's told me the same thing. So off we went to find Peter. Again, she snuck in, 
She found where his books were, slipped him the $100, and he caught her. You can't do this, Ray. Jesus told me to. You argue with him, not with me. See you later. And we left. All that month, every week, Jesus said, go take Peter $100. Sometimes when we would bring Peter that $100, tears would form in his eyes and he would say, how do you know I had not eaten for three days? How do you know my car, I can't drive and it's cold? I can't start it. How do you know? I said, Jesus told me to bring it to you. That's all I can tell you. Peter, why don't you come to church? So Peter came to church several times. He listened. He didn't like what he heard. I sat down with Peter and I said, Peter, can we be just straight and honest with each other? Yes. Do you love Jesus? No. Because I know what it will cost now if I follow him. I still have a dream. I'm going to be very successful financially. I have plans. I said, I don't think your plans are working very well, are they? Two years you've been homeless in your car, and you still have your pride after two years? What will it take to break your pride so that you will follow Jesus? I'm not ready, and I'm not going to talk about it. All right. Next time we'll talk again. Oh, by the way, here's $100. I need that. Next time I would speak with him, the Lord would say, confront him. Peter, you haven't been to church. Are you sure you don't want to serve Jesus? I will when I'm ready. You're not ready yet to serve Jesus? I'm not ready yet. All right. Then he got into some legal difficulty. He was harassed by some police officers for sleeping in his car in front of the grocery store. And unbeknownst to him, he had not paid a fine that he had received in a parking space. And for that, his driver's license had been suspended. And the police said, oh, you're driving on a suspended license. Peter became very disrod and very angry. And he began to curse the police officer. And the police officer charged him with disturbing the peace. And so now he had a court date he had to make. 
his sticker was expired on his car. His tax certificate was expired for the county, and his license was only one day from expiring. I said, Peter, if the police find you on this parking lot or they catch you driving, you have a suspended driver's license, your car tag is expired, and your county tag is expired, they will take your car, and then where are you going to sleep? I don't know, Pastor. I'll do something. Okay? So I went home and I told Jan about it and we began to pray for Peter. That night, late, the Lord said, you have a sleeping bag out in your garage that you use for the grandchildren. Go package that sleeping bag up. Fix some hot food. And take $500 and go find Peter. And you pay to get his car out of Hawk. I said, Lord, all right, I'll talk to Jan. Jan, we're supposed to take the sleeping bag over to Peter. That's a wonderful idea. I'll make some hot food. And Jan, we're supposed to take $500. You heard 500. 500. Let's do it quickly. So we got the sleeping bag. We got the hot food. We got the $500 in cash. And we went to find the parking lot where Peter could be found. And we had no idea where he'd be. We know his hideouts. We know the rotation. And so we began to go from one to the next, driving through the parking lots, looking for Peter. We spotted him finally. We pulled up beside his car He was hunched down in his car. He was freezing. The fan on his car had gone out so he could start his car, but he could not turn the heat on in the car. It was close to zero outside. He opened his door and got out and said, What in the world are you doing here? Well, Peter, we thought you might like this sleeping bag. I don't need a sleeping bag. Now, Peter, why are you cold then? You're shivering. Get back in the car and get in this sleeping bag. And here's some hot food, Jan says. Thank you. And here's $500 to take care of the car. Get it fixed. Thank you. And we left. We continued to pray, saying, Lord, deal with Peter's heart. Convict him of his sin. Break his pride. 
The next week, we again went to find Peter. He'd taken care of everything. He was settled in his car and he was saying, I'm so warm, thank you. That sleeping bag is awesome. I just wrap myself up like a cocoon in that thing. I've never been so warm. Good. Have you decided yet to follow Jesus? No, I'm not ready. Oh, all right. About two weeks later, the phone rang. I answered it. It was Peter, and he said, Pastor, I'm over next door to Borders in the store, and I borrowed their telephone to call you. It's really cold tonight. I don't have any gas in my car. Could you help me? I said, Peter, I'll be right there. I'd love to help you. I prayed. The Lord said, go. Called Jan. We need to go give Peter some money. How much? hundred dollars. Now we're pushing, pushing toward $2,000 invested in this man. Jan says, I'm going with you. So off we went. We found Peter. We helped him get his gas. He hadn't eaten for a couple days. He was hungry. He had enough money to buy some food. About two weeks later, my telephone rang again. Because of the broadcasts, I don't often see him now because... I don't go anywhere except stay right before the Lord and produce broadcasts for the radio. Peter again said, Pastor, I'm really embarrassed to call you, but I'm out of gas again. It's all right, Peter. I'll be right there. The Lord said, go. I took him money again. He said, thank you. I said, Peter, have you decided to follow Jesus? No. You and my dad are just alike. You always want to talk about Jesus. Well, why don't you do the same thing? Because I still want my life. That's what he said. I still want my life. Last week, this past week, I met a man that I've known for some time, a godly man. And I said, I need some help in getting a man off the street. And I described Peter's situation and I said, can you help me with this, John? And John immediately said, yes. Pastor, I've been praying that God would send me someone like Peter. What do you mean? 
Well, I have this, these dear friends. They live in a very beautiful home. The husband is beginning to get a little Alzheimer's. But he's a very sweet man. He said just today he, he had difficulty in the bathroom and he was able to clean himself up, but he, he, he couldn't remember where his shirts were. And so his wife was at work and she called me and I ran over and I found his shirt for him. He said, I've been praying that God would send me a man who could go live with this family. I said, well, I think Peter's the perfect man. He said, do you trust him? Is he trustworthy? I said, oh, yes, I trust Peter. So he met Peter. They had a conversation. He got back to me and he said, I think this would be perfect for Peter. Shall I approach him? I said, absolutely. Would you like me to or do you want to do it? He said, no, Ray, I'll take care of it. I said, thank you. He said, this couple would like to meet him this evening at 6.30. I have an appointment with Peter at 6.30. He said, this family is willing to give him free room and board and pay him $200 a month if he will simply be available for two or three hours a day to sit with this man. He won't have to do anything, just be in the house. I said, well, all Peter's got is time. So he sat down with Peter. He explained the whole thing to him without giving any indication that he knew that Peter was homeless. He just said, Peter, I see you're here a lot. And you told me the other night that you got a ticket for sleeping in your car. Would you like to be able to have a place while you're looking for a job? Peter said, no, I'm not interested. No, I'm not interested. John called me. I said, don't give up. Talk to him again. All right. He went and talked with Peter again, and he said, Peter, maybe I wasn't clear. They're willing to give you $200 a month. They're willing to give you free room and board. In return, will you sit for three or four hours at most a day and just be be a human being in the house in case he needs his shirt? And Peter said, I don't want to be with somebody who's slobbering. Peter said, no, I'm not interested. And the Lord said to me, he would not understand the signs of my mercy. Do not help him again. I know my phone is going to ring. And I know when I answer it, it's going to be Peter. And Peter is going to say, Pastor, I'm out of gas. Could you help me? And this time I'm going to have to say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Peter. I can't help you. I can't help you. 
You understand that this story is not about Peter? It's about us. All of us in this house are homeless. We may not sleep in a car, but we're still homeless. Our home is heaven. And we got kicked out of our house. We got fired from our job. And we've been scrapping for whatever we could get since then. And the great mercy of God comes and comes and comes and offers incredible kindness to us. Well, you need that? Here, let me help you. You, you need that? Let me help you. Here's some food. Here's a warm sleeping bag. Here's the mortgage money. Here's the rent payment. Oh, you need that? Let me give that to you. With kindness and with mercy and with compassion, the hand of God offers to us incredible kindness. And then the Holy Spirit says, Will you serve Jesus? And we say, I want my life. What life? What life does Peter have on the street? Oh, I pushed him on that. And you know what he said? He said, borders has become my living room. This is where all my friends gather. Jesus came performing incredible signs of love and kindness and mercy. Will we see the signs and understand what he's trying to call us to? Or will we see the sign and make a mistake and think that that's just for our benefit, so that we have what we want, so that we can eat and have a bed to sleep in. There are signs that God has given to every one of you in this house, great acts of compassion and mercy that he has poured out for you. How will you receive those signs that he has given to you? It's clear in this passage, verse 26, Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, you're looking for me not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. So all of the kindness that God has shown to us He did not show that kindness to us just so we could fill our bellies. He didn't give us the jobs we have so we could take care of our finances. God did not give to you that job so you could pay your bills. Oh yes, he did give it to you for that reason. But there's a secondary reason, much more important. 
God gave you those signs of his love and his mercy so that you would respond to the call on your heart and serve him and obey him and worship him. So if we take the signs of God's love to us and sit down like an animal and consume the sign... Do you know what a sign is? A sign is something we set up that has an arrow on it that points the way to something else. But we think the sign is the destination. So we see a sign. It says, 10 miles to Washington, that way. We sit at the sign and think we're in Washington. We think we've arrived because we're at the sign. And the little bag lunch that's sitting at the sign, we sit at the sign and we chew down the little bag lunch and say, isn't life wonderful sitting here in Washington? The sign only points the way. It shows the destination is not at the sign. The sign is pointing ahead to the place where we're being called. Where is God calling you? And have you camped out at the sign of God's mercy and said, this is enough for me? So I'll just eat my little bag lunch that was hidden behind the sign. And I'll settle down right here. And maybe, maybe I'll find another little bag lunch there. And time after time after time, I went to Peter and handed him his little bag lunch. Time after time, God said, go do this for Peter. But Peter thought the sign was the destination. Until God said, don't help him again. Cut him off. Cut him off. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? If you go to the sign of God's kindness and mercy to you, and you think that that sign is given to you in order to accomplish some worldly purpose with your life, God will finally come to a point where he says, no more signs. No more kindness and no more mercy. It's over for you. You are on your own. The Jews in verse 41 began to grumble because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling amongst yourselves, Jesus answered. I think we need to write that on a piece of paper and post it in our homes. Stop grumbling amongst yourselves. Did you know in a congregation, 
the pastor who stands in front and preaches the word watches the people's faces, and it's pretty apparent if there's grumbling going on in the church. He may not say anything about it, but that doesn't mean he doesn't know about it. It's written all over your face. The word of the Lord to us is to stop grumbling amongst yourselves, both at home and at church. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. Everyone who goes to the signpost and understands that the sign is pointing to something else, will learn about Jesus. Everyone who goes to the sign of God's mercy and consumes it for themselves and thinks that that is the destination that they have arrived, that person will lose Jesus and be cut off. Then the Jews began to argue because Jesus said this Bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. They said, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Verse 53, Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is real food. My blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. He's saying that there is a place where there is a signpost where God's mercy has been poured out for us. And at that place where kindness and mercy have been poured out, that signpost is pointing the way for us now to search after Jesus to begin to eat the lunch that was there, which is the flesh of Jesus and the, and the blood of Jesus. Oh, but wait a minute. Let's say I go out to my favorite restaurant. My favorite restaurant is a little place over in Annandale called Silverado. It's a Tex-Mex place. <laughs> And my favorite meal there is the, the filet mignon. And if I go during early bird special, it's affordable. So I feel good because it's affordable and I love the filet. So let's say I go over there and I have the, I have the filet mignon. And then the, the manager comes by the table, and she's a good friend. She's a dear friend. We've known her for years. She comes by the table, and she says, So nice to see you, pastors. Dessert's on me tonight. Now, she has done that many times for us. What would you like? Oh, we'd like the, the pumpkin cheesecake. So she brings the pumpkin cheesecake covered with whipped cream. 
raspberry on top. We have that wonderful, we have that wonderful pumpkin cheesecake. And then I stop by your house. And they say, hey, come on, sit down with us. We're just ready to eat. Oh, what are you going to eat? Well, we have some grape juice and we have this, we have this bread. We thought we'd have grape juice and bread tonight. And I'm saying, wait a minute. Bread and grape juice? I just said filet. I just had pumpkin cheesecake. Now tell me, am I going to sit down and eat their bread and drink their grape juice? Not a chance. Not a chance. Hey guys, I'll sit at the table with you, but I'm full. I just had filet and cheesecake. I don't need your dry, moldy bread. A sign of God's mercy and love I have no taste for because I have been able to provide myself with another sign. A sign that says you can have the luxury of this world you don't need to go sit down at somebody's table and have dry bread and grape juice. Now, let's say that I had not eaten for a week. And Kevin and Sultana say, come sit down. We have this, we have this bread and we have some grape juice. Oh, could I have a big slice? I'm starving. I'm hungry. Leave the crust. I want to eat. See, Jesus is not the only one who gives us signs. The devil also gives us signs. And if we're satisfied with Sodom and Gomorrah's food, we will have no taste for the food of Jesus. So many times the kindness of God has been shown to me, but I have not considered it kindness because I'd already taken care of myself at Sodom and Gomorrah. The devil's sign also points to certain things. So now you have to know what is the sign I'm looking at And you have to determine from that sign where it says you're going by accepting that sign. If the sign says, fast road to hell, it it doesn't matter what it tastes like, does it? It doesn't matter how alluring it is, does it? So before you sit down and enjoy the kindness of the sign, you have to read where it says you're going 
if you take the sign. Jesus said, my flesh and my blood are a sign. They are a signpost that points the way toward a wedding down the road. Do you want to be a part of the wedding down the road? Or do you prefer a sign that says, if you sit here, you're on your way to a big house? Or you're on your way to a Mercedes? Or you're on your way to a certain job? Or you're on your way to some kind of personal satisfaction? You have to choose which sign you're going to receive because what is so confusing is that there are so many Road signs. If I went out right now and got in my car and began to drive around, I'd see signs pointing in every direction. I would have to know ahead of time where I want to go. And then I would look for the signs for where I want to go. If my sweetheart says to me, sweetie, can we just go out for a ride? Now, I know what that means. That means you don't pay attention to any signposts. That means she wants to get completely lost. She wants to be able to sit in the car out in the country and say, I haven't the slightest idea where I am. Do you know, Ray? (laughs) And I know if I answer, yes, I know, she'll say, well, let's keep driving. Because she wants to get me lost, too. And then when we're ready to go home, she gets the map out and she starts looking for signs. What signs are you looking for? What signs are you looking for? What signs are you reading? Are you tired of being lost yet? And are you ready to look for a sign in order to go home? Lord, you have shown us such kindness and such mercy. And each act of kindness has been a sign pointing us toward home. But Lord, there are so many signs I have to read. I sometimes have a hard time knowing which one takes me where I want to go. Lord, I ask that you would cast down every sign of the devil and you would lift up every sign of your grace and mercy. And I ask that you would not cut us off, but bring us home. Thank you, Jesus. I pray in your holy name. Amen.
throne of mercy find a sweet relief kneeling there in deep contrition help my Thou art calling 
You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley, pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. Come visit us. I love you, my brother and my sister. I'll talk to you soon. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.